Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, how's it going? Not too shabby. It's, you know, normally Januarys are pretty quiet in the world of gaming, but we've had, uh, I mean, I'm going to talk about it today. A couple of, you know, those games as a service that we keep talking about had some pretty big updates in the first few weeks of January. So, uh, yeah, it hasn't been as quiet as I thought it was going to be. Well, not only that, January is usually a black hole of video game anything, uh, including news. And we've got, what, one, two, three, four, five news stories. They're all tidbit stories, like just kind of like quick chats or whatever, except for a couple of them. Some of them are pretty beefy, but like usually we don't have any news to talk about. January is like tumbleweed city. It's so quiet. But yeah, for some reason this year, everyone's just like, woo, look at our 2019. Ooh, yeah, let's get out ahead of this news. Like, here's some game delays. Like, this is what our plans are for June. It's like, wait, what? Why are you all getting up in the news cycle in January? Like, this is supposed to be like, I picture literally like every game dev, every studio and every games journalist just like laying on a couch with this like big giant like holiday belly just full of food and full of booze and just being like, oh, I need like a month to recover. Just nobody talk to me till February. And for some reason this year, they just didn't do that. They're not having their like normal sloth month. <laughs> no, I think it I think it could be very well because of the the new console launch. But 2020 is just one of those years where there's a lot going on. I that mean, that is true, too. Yeah, you've, you've got the news here like you've got the the swan song for all the current generation of consoles, the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Then you've got the new consoles coming out, PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. And then you've got all the crazy stuff that's boiling over from 2019, like the Epic Game Store. You got the Summer Olympics happening, and that means yep. something because it's happening in Tokyo, and Nintendo is playing a big part. A lot of video game uh, companies and properties are playing a big part. And and yeah, like I think February is going to be even crazier. February, March is usually when we'll get sort of the 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 big unveiling of the new consoles. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a crazy year and a good year for us to not really lean so heavy into video games because we'll have so much news to talk about, um, which, you know, is good because there's not a whole lot coming out brand new uh, this the in the first few months of 2020 there's a couple games but most of them are have been either pushed into april or further yeah very much so and you know it's funny that and we'll talk about this a little bit later but it's funny that you mentioned um the just the olympics and tokyo and how much of a role nintendo is going to play because this is actually going to be the last summer olympics that's not going to include video games because they're actually going to be coming to the summer olympics uh, summer olympics in 2024 so really i didn't it's so exciting <laughs> i thought i thought they said like we won't have any violence there that there was this so when did this get announced i missed this uh so okay hang on um i thought that this was okay uh yeah i thought this was last summer uh so i've got something here from fox business that is saying that yeah they're um it's not gonna be like uh like csgo and stuff mm. but uh yeah they're uh looking at like card games and because they just did a test run at the because hearthstone is part of this and and i cover obviously hearthstone over on uh, angry chicken 
it was part of the oh my gosh i'm totally the like east oh what was it called east asian oh man i can't remember now i can't remember what the games are actually called but they're kind of like a part of like the feeder system to the olympics mm -hmm. and they actually ran um hearthstone some sort of fighting game i think and a couple of mobile titles hmm. as actual like events as part of their like i don't want to say like pseudo olympics because it is it's like their actual it's like our like commonwealth games sure it's like a it's it's the right it was this uh, i think it might have been the southeast asian games i think is now maybe popping into my head uh but anyways that happened a few months ago and uh, yeah, so it's all they're doing these like test markets and stuff to see what games are actually going to be, you know, worth um, considering for the Olympics. And, and yeah, Hearthstone mm. was one of those things. So, well, yeah, they're not looking at like shooting games, but they're looking at including things that are like traditional sports. So like the EA sports catalog and then like card games and uh, and fighting games like like punching fighting because they have like boxing in the Olympics. So it's like. If they've got boxing and they're okay with like that level of violence, then, you know, like two cartoon video game characters punching each other is kind of okay too. Now I would imagine we would see something like Smash Brothers, not like Mortal Kombat, but mm. yeah, like I think that's kind of where they're, they're looking uh, you, to consider stuff for the Olympics in like 2024. You, well, that would be really neat, but like, how do you elevate a game? Because uh, most of the esports stuff has been run by the company that makes the game, right? So how do you elevate something above that? How do you choose? Like, is it is it this is the best fighting game? So this is the fighting game at the Olympics. So for example, it'd be um, I think between Tekken Seven, Street Fighter Five, those type of games. Do, how do you pick one and elevate it? Like this is our fighting game, or do you do all of them? Because video games uh, bring in eyeballs, and and that's what you need. You need more. Well, people and that's the, the thing is that what they're finding, and the reason that they've kind of made the decision to even explore this idea in the first place, was because viewership in the you know ever important eighteen to forty nine demographics like mm -hmm. were way way down. Which I don't understand because honestly. I consume Olympics like mad. It's like whenever the Olympics are on, I always like I follow the medal count whenever I'm mm -hmm. in an, in a room with a screen. Then I've got, you know, like the Olympics on in the background whenever, you know, Canada's competing and stuff like that. So, yeah, like I, I don't understand. <laughs> I guess I don't understand people that don't watch the Olympics. But like if what they're going after is that 18 to 49 demographic, then and like all the obviously all the little you know um groups that they put that big chunk into or break that down into um if they're going after all of those age groups then esports especially if they're looking at you know numbers for games that they aren't necessarily supporting but you know like smash bros has huge viewership just twitch in general has huge viewership so they're probably looking at that and going, huh, <laughs> we want to bring these kids in. We want them watching the Olympics. They're going to be, you know, the the generation to to mm -hmm. carry us through. And obviously the Olympics makes a metric shit ton of money from advertisers. Right. So mm -hmm. if advertisers can't target this huge demographic that has basically all the monies 
yeah, then you know do. they're really going to be they're really going to be like missing out so i can see why they would want to target that group and i mean video games is the way to do it because um i was having a conversation with someone just a couple days ago it was basically like you know we are one of the first generations that's kind of like grown up with gaming, like from the get go in our houses, like on our computers, which are now split, you know, between, you know, computers used to be before our generation. It was like they were just work. They, you know, like if you had big computing power, you were something like NASA. <laughs> you weren't like in the home. So we were the first generation where computers came into our homes and they became these like pleasurable things that we used for recreation as opposed to like just for work. And then, you know, so we've kind of like we've grown up with this. And there are so many of us now, like you and I, Ryan, who are, you know, in our 30s. And there's, you know, people that we know doing podcasts and stuff into their 40s. And we're all still gaming. It's not this thing that kids do anymore. It's like it's this thing that we do with our kids and, you know, like we show no signs of stopping. So if they can kind of capture us right now in this 18 to 49 demographic, these people who take gaming seriously and who see it as more than a time waster, if the Olympics can capture that demographic, then it's just going to age and it's going to kind of ensure the future of the Olympics while we are also teaching our kids about gaming and then, you know, like refilling that 18 to, you know, 25 as our kids grow up, mm. like that demographic eventually, like they they want to kind of get on board because our generation doesn't show any signs of of stopping gaming. So why not include it in the Olympics? Like there's millions of dollars in esports. Mm. Clearly, people are watching it and advertisers are supporting it. So if anything, the Olympics is kind of like behind the eight ball at this point, right? Like they have waited way too long oh. to jump on this train. Yeah, they should have had Tetris in the 90s at the very least. <laughs> uh. Okay, maybe that's a little bit far back. But, you know, like I, I would have liked to see something like this happen you know, in like 2010 or 2014, as opposed to, you know, where well, we are now. But. The Olympics are run by like a bunch of old people, right? Like, have you ever <laughs> seen that council? Like What the, the IOC actually looks like? Yeah, it's just a bunch of old people. Now it's a diverse group of old people. They're from around the world, I'm assuming. Uh, but it's still like a bunch of senior citizens deciding like, oh, are we going to have harpooning this year? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> I don't know where I pulled harpooning from, but sure it's a sport oh, yeah <laughs> but oh i i did have a i did so, have a, a, a well i guess spear fishing spear fishing is is a, a recreational is a activity recreation. at least yeah <laughs> you know i i think when it comes to video games my favorite thing is that i would like to see or that i will see when they when they have video games at the olympics similar to hockey olympics you know, you look at the way the NHL is structured and a lot of Canadian players are all over the place, a majority of them uh, on American teams. And when you get to the Olympics, for the Winter Olympics specifically and, and across the board, you have the Canadian team. It's not like Team Canada has hired a bunch of the best people around because they have the most money. No, these are the Canadians playing for Team Canada. So similar to video games, it'll be great to see these are the Canadians playing for uh, Team Canada's uh, Overwatch or Team Canada. Because again, I don't, 
I don't know for certain, but I but I know not necessarily in the country leagues because I know Overwatch ha- does has or does have their country teams, and I they believe have they're all sourced. cities. Yeah, they but have the cities. cities. Yeah, uh, the cities are are like the NHL. They're they're yeah picked from all over and drafted and all that fun stuff. So I think when it comes to the Olympics, I'll be excited to see that aspect of it and and know that oh this is a team, uh this is a team Canada. I really hope they add MOBAs. I know they're kind of like, they're still testing the waters. I would like to see MOBAs because I really would like to see that national level of uh, of MOBAs. It doesn't need to be Heroes of the Storm. It can be, you know, League of Legends um, or Dota 2. I'm fine. Uh, but I would also like to see a shooter. I don't know if it needs to be anything too, like I get they don't want anything like too violent, like just literally like everyone shooting each other, like Counter-Strike. But like Siege would be an interesting one to see. Which I know is still people shooting each other, but there's like some some strategy layers to that. But I guess if you well, I wanted mean, there's to... there's strategy layers to to all oh, you know course, shooters yeah. that are esports and everything else. But I think uh, the other one that oh my god, I would probably get divorced if I didn't mention this. But Rocket mm. League is another one that is oh, being yeah. considered as well because again, like I think especially in this first pass. So like assuming a 2024 start for gaming in the Olympics. Uh, or I guess for video gaming in the Olympics, I should be very specific. Um, so yeah, assuming a 2024 start, what they want are things that are very, very accessible and easy to understand, which is where something like um, Hearthstone comes in because it's, you know, it's a card game. There's these creatures and they just kind of attack into each other. And, you know, it's it's a quite a slow-paced game and it doesn't have the... Um, intricacies or like i guess paragraphs of text that are on some of like the magic cards and stuff so it's just it's got that blizzard spin of the you know like accessible but hard to master so you know like that's one of the reasons hearthstone is being considered and then if you look at rocket league it's like it's soccer but then it's got cars and those are two concepts that you know uh joe blow on the street that has never touched a video game in his life can look at a TV and very quickly understand Hmm. that there are, you know, two teams, one's red, one's blue, and they're kicking a ball around trying to get it in a net. It's Hmm. a very simplistic concept. So I think that's what they're going for with the uh, inclusion of video games in, in 2024. And so that's why some of the contenders are the contenders. Whereas if you look at something like a MOBA that seems, you know, fairly straightforward to you and I, might be a little bit too complex at least for the first pass but mm-hmm. we've I now guess. talked for a really long time about uh gaming in the olympics which wasn't even a planned conversation I mean, for today it had to be discussed at some point why not yeah. now <laughs> i guess so uh but you know what let's just let's just flip the show on its head we'll let's do, do something totally different this week we'll just talk Whoa. all of our 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 news and our our odds and ends news we'll just <laughs> talk about that off the top And we'll talk about what we're playing after we're done, because the whole reason that we're talking about the Olympics and we're talking about Tokyo at all (laughs) is because Super Nintendo World got a super cool video. I'm going to call it a trailer because I don't even want to call it a sneak peek, which is kind of what they tried to spin it as. But it's all animated. And so if you're not aware, uh, Super Nintendo World is the like theme park version of some of Nintendo's properties. And it's done in partnership with Universal Studios, who has had a lot of success. And and Ryan, I'm not sure if you've ever been there, but 
I have been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Universal down in uh, Florida. And it's amazing. They did such a good job. And you kind of like walk into this section of the park and it really feels like you are walking into Harry Potter. Mm. It's a glorious experience. It's so immersive. The rides are really fun. And so they are basically doing like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, but for Nintendo, for Mario. So yeah, this, they unveiled a, I guess like a, 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 again, I want to call it a trailer because it just looks like a video game. It's basically real people running through an animated video game and they're like this is what the park will be like i'm like how about you just show us something it's weird that's that actually the, the real park. world yeah because yeah. it's supposed to open alongside the olympics in tokyo uh in the summer well here, here's the thing i'll make i'll make admission to this the only i've never been to like a, a themed theme park i've never been to disneyland i've never been to universal studios i think the closest i've been to would be canada's wonderland uh in toronto or outside toronto but that was right which that that used to be kind of themed because it used to be owned by paramount so when it was owned by paramount each Mm. of the roller coasters in the park was actually designed as a like uh, an homage to a different paramount movie so i remember when it opened i can't even remember i think yeah, I was going to say, I think it's like called like Skyflyer now or something. But okay. that was when it was Paramount. That was the Top Gun ride. And so like you would walk through in the line and it would have like costumes and scenes from the movie and stuff. And then when you actually got on the ride, it was like, all right, Maverick, something about Goose or whatever, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. Don't <laughs> very, very. Yeah. Sort of thing. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, well, I think. <laughs> uh oh man ryan movie. yeah it's true happens. it is it is i mean there's a he sequel his head real now, hard. So. He gets a boo-boo. he's fine um <laughs> he's not man he's died. Not come on fine. jocelyn don't laugh <laughs> <laughs> why are we oh laughing my God. uh anyways no this is horrible it is it's a movie it's not real back to nintendo world <laughs> yeah 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 so this this looks really cool i mean the thing here's the thing i would love to go to tokyo uh or i should say uh osaka that's where this is opening i got the olympics in my head i would love to go to osaka and uh do a bunch of stuff there including super nintendo world i would love to visit japan someday i don't see myself going to uh japan specifically for super mario or super nintendo world in the sense that this will this is eventually coming uh to the other universal studio uh parks they're talking about bringing in i think the other ones in I mean, they're all in Florida, right? Like, the other well, one there's one in Florida. Florida, one in California, very similar to Disney. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. So they're they are targeting California and and Florida. I don't know which one they're going to do next, but the idea I would believe be... what I remember hearing, anyways, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago was Florida. Um, Florida was also the first. I think Florida has more room because it's not in the middle of LA. <laughs> so right. uh, Florida, just Universal in general, has more room to expand. So I I believe I remember them talking about um, building Nintendo World in Florida. Um, but Universal does actually have a theme park in both California and Florida. Okay. See, Florida is much more attainable for me. Like I could, I, I could definitely see myself going to Florida and and bringing the kids well, especially since you, yes yeah, universal they would, they would love universal universal has all like the minion stuff and then obviously disney's there too and same deal with disney 
California versus Florida. I've been to both. Um, Florida just is bigger because they just have more room. So um, there's a lot of really cool stuff at both parks. But yeah, so Super Nintendo World, um, the one, th well, I guess they talked about two specific things in terms of what was actually coming to the park. So they talked about uh, like a band. It kind of looks like a, like a watch for like a four-year-old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, you know, hey. plastic band with what? I would wear this watch. Oh, 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 I see. Well, I'm just thinking I'm just like kidding. I would never wear it. It gave me it gave me like my first watch vibes. It, oh, they did. <laughs> I have a couple of these all around the house. Uh okay. they, like I've got a Paw Patrol one, I got a Spider Man one. Not me personally. I have small children. But <laughs> like I imagine them kind of this this is it looks really, really neat. It looks like you can kind of choose your character. They've got a Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy, Toad who's gonna pick toad honestly like i mean i was you know i was thinking that and i felt like such a terrible person because i was like who's gonna pick the luigi one like everyone's gonna want mario I or mean, peach right like why did they even bother doing these other ones luigi was always uh he was the taller one he could do the flutter jump i, mean, I guess so yoshi yeah, was like the dog I mean, everyone loves a dog right that's true that i can see people choosing a yoshi one but before toad? they choose a luigi one but yeah yeah toad <laughs> Who wants to be the the one that gets lost all the time and like just stands there at at Mario's beck and call and doesn't really do anything? And is I that guess a that, hat? that's also a really good descriptor of Peach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she can float. She's got things, but like with the toad, like is that a hat or is that his head? Like that's so confusing, right? <laughs> Have we ever seen a toad without his hat? I think there's an old like Mario like cartoon uh very much early days where he takes it off as as if it's a hat but then like they said no that's not canon like that's his head so i don't know what to believe <laughs> i see i see they're they're so confusing but yeah so uh they have this this watch that you wear around the park and then that allows you to uh they said like interact with your environment uh collect coins do things you would think that you could do in a real world Mario game. Basically what they're trying to do is create a world for you to play in, mm. which is a little kind of different than a traditional kind of theme park. I mean, Harry Potter played with that idea a little bit because you could buy uh, essentially a wand that had like a sensor in the tip and you could walk around to different parts of the park. And if you, you know, uh, did a specific hand movement with the wand that you could find in your spell book or like your little universal brochure, basically. Um, if you did the specific movement, then like something would happen. So, you know, like things would float or appear that weren't there before, all that kind of cool stuff. So it was very magical and very immersive. But this sounds like next level immersion in terms yeah. of like how you'll interact with the park around you. So that was kind of the first thing that I noticed that they were showing off a little bit. But then the second thing that I noticed and they still like I'm a little bit kind of concerned or at least I guess skeptical because they showed the Mario Kart or at least they showed um, like the real people in the animated carts. Because, and they have said that they're going to have a Mario Kart ride in Super Nintendo World, which sounds really cool. And they also talked about how they're basically like pushing the limits of amusement park technology to make this as much like the video game as possible. And I'm like, okay, are we actually going to be exploding cars and throwing blue shells at each other and like shrinking down with lightning bolts? Like, no. I don't know how you could like bring 
Mario Kart into the real world in a way that wasn't just go karts. <laughs> I don't even think like you could. Maybe spin I just out, don't right? have the imagination. Maybe I'm getting too old. Well, I they spend. See, I've never been to one of these parks, but I'm imagining they spend tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to build these areas that their sole purpose is just to get you to feel comfortable spending hundreds of dollars to visit. So mm-hmm. in my mind, they must be pumping as much technology into this. They, like I think they said, as you said, this is probably going to be their most advanced park they've designed so far. And I, I just, I, I'm skeptical as well. Having not been to one of these, these, uh, these theme parks before, but have experienced, you know, the smartphone connected experience and you know the the tablet sort of uh apps yeah it and all sounds that. Like, it's like it's like it's not there next level of that hmm see and that sounds that sounds like a lot but again i've never been to these i'm sure some some folks who are listening to this might have been to might have gone to the star wars one which to me i think is the current from what i've read is the current bar for this is some next level you know immersion theme park stuff right harry potter was better than the star wars did you one. go to the star wars one i did go to the star oh, wars really? one harry, harry oh yeah no i t- yeah i went to the star wars one in california now oh. a caveat of i'm not a huge star wars fan so a lot of it went over my head but in terms of like interactivity and stuff and like the harry potter one was like way way better mm-hmm. um the the star wars one did have like people walking around in true disney fashion of like dressed up like the characters and they had little skits and they were you know in character and stormtroopers were like intimidating people looking for a spy and stuff but like if we're talking like immersion in terms of technology then no harry potter was way better because it was like walking it was like walking through magic right and and it really felt like that like you were entering an actual magical world um and yeah the the star wars wasn't really that it was just like it was it was you know props from the movie and recreating of like sets and stuff that you know was impressive but in terms of like technological immersion and making me like forget that i was you know in california (laughs) that it it would that definitely wasn't there whereas like i felt like i was walking into like hogwarts in the you know foothills of england and stuff like that like i i felt transported when i went to harry potter world and i did not feel like that was star wars with star wars it was like okay yeah this is like a merch store and a cantina and you know, <laughs> a bizarre. And then I was just like, okay, this is fine. But yeah, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to Super Nintendo World when it when it comes a little closer. Um, yeah, I want to see pictures of the park. I want to yes, see video too. of the rides. Like once they start to show a little bit more of the inside, and maybe they're not. Maybe they're waiting for it to be more of like a a viral sensation. Like maybe Nintendo will never actually put this stuff out. Maybe they'll just rely on you know like people posting pictures and videos and stuff on Twitter and and like letting it letting the hype kind of be more of a grassroots kind of thing. Like, I think that would actually be pretty cool and would probably work really well for them um, because this whole thing has been so kept under wraps up until now. So we'll have to see. But um, that is like one of our five news stories today. So we should probably get a move on because honestly, (laughs) this is going so well. (laughs) Right. Uh, So in terms of news, we've heard that uh, PlayStation is actually going to skip E3 again this year. Mm. Um, And this is a little bit surprising because, well, they skipped it last year. So obviously, like, we know that they skipped it last year. But 
we kind of thought, you know, this year they've got a new console launching in the holiday 2020. Like they're going to be showing stuff off, but they have again opted to uh, step aside from E3, not have a presence on the show floor. And instead, I'm assuming they're going to do their whole um, PlayStation. Oh, man, what's it called? Uh, it's not. It's like State the Nintendo Direct, but State of Play. That's it. <laughs> I was like inside PlayStation. No. That's Xbox, that's, actually. It's Xbox. Yeah, inside <laughs> Xbox. I know. You see, these things are... It's not PlayStation Direct. It's not inside PlayStation. It's state of play. So, yeah, it's basically their, like, standalone. Here's the what we're ready to tell you, our press conference, blah, blah, blah. Just not bothering to go to E3. So, I mean, E3 still relevant as far as i know the xbox is still going to have a presence there they also obviously are in their next gen console launch year so i'm sure we're going to see them on the show floor because as far as i know they haven't backed out yet i feel like when xbox and like microsoft as an extension backs out of e3 that's when e3 dies but you know right now we've got nintendo doing their own thing playstation is going to continue to do their own thing it's a little bit of a of an announcement this year because obviously it's a console launch year so you think hardware you're going to be at e3 but They've opted not to. So uh, I do still expect to hear some some console news around that time, though. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting when you look at the way E3 is structured now, uh, or, or at least in 2019. I guess Xbox hasn't really been there. They usually have like a... Like I saw some people saying that they're not at E3, but they have like sort of a satellite event. Uh, but Nintendo's always been one to have a huge booth and basically create what we just were was talking about, like a little theme park within E3 mm. of a Nintendo world. And it's always themed around, you know, one of their games that, that they're spotlighting. I think uh, last year would have been Luigi's Mansion. Year before that, I think, was um, uh, uh, Link's Awakening. Or no, that would have been this year as well. I, I think it was uh, kind of a mixture. But they did a big, like, Breath of the Wild one. Uh, but, you know, I look at this, and as a consumer... Um, doesn't really bother me i think when mm -hmm. i was a kid like oh gotta go to e3 and i and i knew uh, i had a friend uh who went to e3 and it was all we always thought it would be like oh it's it's amazing but now it's it's just it's a little different in the sense that i think we, we the curtain has been drawn you get to see all the conferences online you don't have to wait for ign to upload all the trailers like it's all instantaneous for us so why would sony pay millions of dollars to to showcase at a at a trade show when they can just put up a youtube video uh yeah they're, they're going a step ahead of nintendo and literally just like no we're not going to spend you know the hundreds of thousands of dollars to to set up a booth we'll just do the the twitch stream mm -hmm. and i mean nintendo still d does they just don't do the press conference and that was a huge deal but now you've got sony who is launching a console this year deciding not to go to the the video game trade show and um Trade shows are going through this really weird phenomenon where it's they don't they they're they're struggling with their their clientele right where their clientele is like but wait I can spend money on something I'm already using which is social media and web and use free services like Twitch and YouTube to to get to an audience uh, for a fraction of the price 
of dragging staff, subcontractors, paying for all the booth amenities that you that, that they nickel and dime you. Because again, you're, the conferences are a business and they, and they make money by basically charging you for everything you need from yeah. carpet to scaffolding to, to boxes to, to, to labor power to Power and lighting and internet. <laughs> oh my God, power. Uh, you, yeah. you'd, think, you'd think that stuff would not be super expensive, but it really is. For like a three-day show, they're probably charged thousands of dollars uh, to power that booth. So again, why? Like, I I look at this and people might be like, oh, this is a huge mistake. It's like, no, man, that's a, that's a, that's a boss move by Sony to get out of this because they're spending so much money to reach an audience they're already reaching. Yeah, uh, like Sony already gets the 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 New York Times and the Wall Street Journal's covering their stuff. They literally partner with what's the what's the newspaper? I think it's Wire, maybe Wired, where every time they do like a like a PS Five feature, they just shop it to Wired, and then everyone picks it up. Like, I I mean, who they don't have to fight for advertising anymore because like video games are big now. Uh, they well, that's the thing, and that, but... I think you, you really hit the the nail on the head with the idea that like we can just get all of this content in so many different ways that it doesn't make sense to have a physical presence. Like when you would go to a trade show and build your booth and try to get the attention of journalists who were actually like there on the floor, and then you had to rely on them liking your product enough to decide to write about it in order to potentially reach a consumer if the consumer was even reading you know whatever the publication was like uh, getting a monthly magazine or something and we are so far beyond that now that it seems silly that you would you know spend all the money to create a video and whether it's you know like an hour-long presentation or a trailer or you know a, a five to ten minute presentation like nine times out of 10, when we're watching these different presentations, they're pre-recorded stuff that they're just, you know, they might have somebody out on the stage for five or 10 minutes that then introduces the video. And then you sit there, watch the video. Why not just upload that video? Like you're already incurring the cost of creating it. Just hmm. upload that shit to YouTube and call it a day. And then you haven't, like you said, paid for just not only the, the trade show costs, but even the cost of like, wages for your employees travel food like just oh my god all this stuff is just so expensive mm -hmm. why put boots on the ground when boots on the ground are getting less and less useful like people are already paying attention people already want to know about your console like news outlets that we see like ign and polygon and kotaku and and all these other things are just constantly looking for every little scrap of information they can find to turn it into an article because they have quotas of how many articles they have to write every day. And like, so we are getting literally the cutting room floor scraps of information in our faces all day, every day. Like if anything even remotely whispers a leak, mm -hmm. then we're hearing about it. So like, there's no point in spending all this money to go to E3. It's like, these trade shows very much seem like they're becoming a, a thing of the past. So, yeah, yeah well, I, I think Sony is making the right decision here. And and I mean, there will always be a need for uh, a trade a trade show for specific industries where you know, um, like car shows. Uh, that makes sense to me in the sense that you're you're you get to go and look at all the cool cars. 
Um, and and like if a, if someone buys a car on the show floor, suddenly that all all the effort is has been paid off. Like those companies know we need to sell like X amount of cars to make this worthwhile, and we know but we always play, sell. It's not like if you go to E three, you're gonna be able to buy a PlayStation Five. Like, no, that would maybe be like something that would get people through the doors and have them lining up like crazy and create all this big buzz and then people could have like their hands on on consoles and stuff that somehow weren't available to the general public but that's not how video games work like sure super fancy you know one of 10 runs of cars at a car show fine but video games doesn't work like that well it really depends on what you're trying to get like again if you look at e3 as a trade show and you're there to promote your your business, then yeah, it makes sense to go elsewhere to greener pastures because you can get the same, if not more, for less money, and and that makes sense to me. However, if E3 shifts to a consumer-focused show that's a fan event, then it makes sense for PlayStation to come back and be like, okay, we're back in, because again, then that's you're investing. That's a big shift for E3, though. Oh, it's though. a huge shift. Yeah. But... I'm just saying that if well, E3 but that's why I'm saying like that. trade shows seem to be you know going being a thing of the past. Whereas like I would argue things like BlizzCon, like mm-hmm. the fan events and like PAX and the um uh the, oh my god DreamHacks, like all of that kind of came from DreamHack is yeah. the one that I on blanked now. on. I know, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so like events like that, those like fan events and land events and things where people are just like going to be around other people and experience and play games and and have fun and and share in that fandom. That's an entirely different vibe than what E3 is currently doing. Mm -hmm. So if they wanted to pivot to that, like that might be the way that E3 needs to go over the next five years or so. But right now with the state of E3, the way that it is, I think that, you know, PlayStation is and Sony are they're making a good call not being involved anymore because they just don't have to be they just don't have to be no so yeah uh they are again 2020 skipping e3 but do look for information about the playstation 5 uh during kind of the e3 window i'm sure we're going to be hearing more um we'll probably get a state of play sometime in the in the mid to late spring so uh yeah keep your eyes open for that uh, we also got a, a little bit of a brag out of uh, the Epic Game Store this past week. So uh, Epic Game Store launched in December of 2018. So they've essentially had their first year. And in that first year, they have made, in spite of everyone saying they weren't going to buy games on this store, $680 million in sales in the Epic Game Store in 2019. I bet you're going to say, but Joss, come on. That's got to be Fortnite, right? Like those in-game cosmetics, those stupid teenagers, like those those damn 12-year-olds don't know how to handle money. They're just buying all the the emotes and all the all the costumes and you know, there that's got to be 680 million, right? Like that's got to be where it's from, you know. We're gamers, we're standing our ground, we're not buying games on the Epic Game Store. Turns out, nah, uh uh in-game purchases in Fortnite are not included in that figure and in-game purchases in Fortnite were almost two billion dollars in what? 2019. That's crazy. One, 1.8 billion dollars was spent in in-game purchases in Fortnite and then on top of that 680 million dollars was spent on games in the Epic Game Store. Hmm. Hot damn! <laughs> what? 
the thing is, I I don't want to. I know I know people who don't like the Epic Game Store, and some of them have very valid personal reasons that I may not agree with, but I respect their their opinion. But at the end of the day, I think a majority of the folks that are that don't want to support the Epic Epic Game Store are a a vocal minority, and that's fine. Um, in the sense that if you, you can be a vocal minority but not be uh, a dick bag about it, there are a couple <laughs> of there are some great examples out there that you still see to this day when developers do an exclusive game and then they get berated on social media. Yeah, and like, that's not fair. Uh, you know, they well, are yeah, because one of the big things about the Epic Game Store. So they also announced as part of this that they are still going to be giving away free games weekly mm-hmm. in in the Epic Game Store through 2020. They also still are maintaining their really industry standard setting um, 88% of money made on the Epic Game Store going to game developers as opposed to the ridiculously small cut that developers get on the Steam Store. So they're kind of like making all the right steps here in, in building their store and making it a developer-friendly ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't mind their store. Honestly, like you launch a store now, it, you just it's kind of hard to launch something that doesn't uh, that doesn't have the the bare necessities, right? I mean, it, it's missing some some functions that Steam has, but Steam also has a it's like it's got more than I need, right? Well, and that's kind of my argument for the Epic Game Store. So a lot of people compare it like uh, one-to-one with Steam and say like, look at all the things Steam has, you know, checkmark, 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 Epic Store, XXXXX. And it's like, yeah, but a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, aside from possibly reviews, uh, and even then, I mean, we've seen games on Steam get reviewed bombed for no, like nothing that actually has to do with the game itself for like a decision the developer made like say borderlands for going you know exclusive somewhere that people didn't like mm-hmm. <laughs> epic games are <laughs> but uh you know like it just it's reviews online reviews have their own problems but i would say you know reviews might be the thing that i might like Although nine times out of 10, I ignore what Steam reviews say anyways. And I go by, you know, podcasts I listen to, friends that I play games with, you know, Ryan. (laughs) And, you know, like people who actually know what I like to do. Um, But yeah, like, so there is that piece that's missing in the Epic Game Store that I know a lot of people do actually make use of. So there's, I, I will concede the reviews point, but I would say that there are huge, huge, huge sections of Steam that I never ever touch. Like all of the forums, they're a mess. Like it just, oh God, the steam is so bloated that like it's it's just difficult to do stuff sometimes. And there are big swaths of it that I never ever use. So I actually appreciate that Epic Game Store is exactly what it says. It's a game store. I go in, I buy a game and I play it. And that's all it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I still have, you know, friends list that I can manage in order to play games with people if I want to. But, you know, it's not this big, crazy, bloated ecosystem that's trying to do a whole bunch of things. What the Epic Game Store wants to do is sell me a game and have me play it. That's it. (laughs) And I can do that. And it works. And it's great. And it's doing good things for developers, like giving them an 88% cut 
which is, like I mentioned, much higher than other ecosystems that exist in the gaming world. So I am pro anything that is pro developer, especially in a world where, you know, developers have essentially been saying in order to uh, kind of subsidize the price of video games in order to keep the ticket price around the same and not be charging us $150 for a AAA title, they were introducing things like in-game stores and loot boxes and all this other crap and were like, grr, arg, no. Well, maybe if they were making a higher percentages off, off of these stores that are selling their games, they wouldn't have to do stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So I am all about putting more money straight into the pocket of whoever it is that made the game that I am playing and Epic is doing that. So yeah, I'm I am pro Epic Game Store. I think it's fine. I know that they they do some things and they have some practices that I don't agree with as much, but there's literally like every company out there now is doing shit I don't agree with. Yeah, so no one's it's no like one's it's a scale. Exactly. It's a scale and you have to kind of scale your outrage accordingly. So yeah. uh, it does seem, Ryan, I think you're right about um a lot of the people in twenty nineteen that were vocal about how terrible the Epic Game Store was seem to be the very vocal minority because we're looking at, like I said, almost 700 million in sales outside of Fortnite. And the thing that I also find really compelling, um, we've got a, a link to a Washington Post story. Um, it, they're also talking about just Fortnite in general. And I find this just the the evolution of Fortnite itself, like whether you play the game or not, is just so interesting to me. Because mm -hmm. I remember when we first started talking about Fortnite on the show, it didn't even have the Battle Royale. I remember like you tried it and I was looking at it and I was kind of on the fence because it looked like cool and interesting. And you were talking about, you know, the building aspect and how you had to make a base and then like go out and you could see other people's bases and stuff. And you were all like fighting against, I can't even remember what it was. Was it zombies? Zom it was zombies. It yeah. was zombies. And that's why I was on the fence. Cause I'm like, <laughs> ah, I don't really like zombie games and blah, blah, blah. And you were like, Oh, the building is kind of compelling though. It's really neat. And you could make these like, as the zombie hordes like move towards you and blah, 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 whatever. Sure. So Ryan started amazing. the game. Yeah. And it was like, oh yeah, this is really cool. And then a couple months later, it was like, boom, also we're a battle royale and it just exploded. And now we're at the point that this like unassuming, like um, co-op zombie game has now, they're talking about turning it into, well, for the quote from the, um, and I'm not actually sure what his position at the company is. Hang on. I'm going to look it up really quickly. Uh, so the uh, Epic founder, so the founder of Epic, uh, Sweeney, doesn't call Fortnite a platform, but says Fortnite is a game. But please ask that question again in 12 months. And that's what I find so crazy because... They're talking about Fortnite eventually becoming what they're labeling like a metaverse. So it's like Fortnite is like could potentially be like a social network platform and a place where people go to see things like E3 presentations because we had the um, uh, they basically like stopped Fortnite, the Battle Royale game, and instead had a community event where they like showed footage from the new Star Wars and like had an in-game, like in-avatar presentation, <laughs> which is so crazy 
Um, so yeah, like they're talking about like you can have like an area that you walk around like kind of MMO-ish where you mm. kind of walk around as your avatar and like can interact with other players and, and talk to other players and whatever. You're it's describing like, second like life. Second life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and but like then you can also home. like, yeah. Hopefully but then you can also like go. Just thinking out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, like you could actually like walk around in the Fortnite world and then like go get on a bus and that's how you load your battle royale or you could you know walk into a movie theater and then like go watch the latest thing with your friends but in Fortnite, like it just oh the the stuff that they're talking about with Fortnite is just so compelling right now considering we're literally talking about a co-op zombie game a few years ago like i find the evolution of Fortnite to yeah. just be absolutely compelling but that's you, that's probably a whole nother like tangent to go oh, yeah. off on another I, I night. Think, but yeah, it's very second lifey. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Um, and do you remember when like PUBG sued Fortnite because Fortnite worked and PUBG didn't? And they were like, yeah. hey, you stole our tech, <laughs> except you fixed it and didn't tell us how to fix it. And yeah. I, mean, I know PUBG is still doing fine and well and all, but it's not like a, oh, ask us in 12 months whether we're still a game. But I think Fortnite is uh is a really cool experiment that's just it just keeps working and yeah. that's just that is something that is a testament to the developers that they have and and again i know we've talked about well, it i mean they, they had that... how many million people watching a screen with a black hole on it for like two days sure like I re- what other game can but bo- what other anything can boast that <laughs> i honestly i don't think there's anything i think fortnite is a unique thing that's happening right now and we're experiencing it and it's 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 probably not going to happen again for decades well you know what it totally reminds me of and like you brought up Mm. second life but this to me the way that they're kind of talking about fortnite is totally giving me like ready player one vibes with the whole oasis thing and like obviously we're not all the way there yet but it seems like if they wrote a like ready player zero book and it was like the creation of the Oasis, I feel like it could just be like the true story of Fortnite as like the subtitle of that novel. (laughs) Fortnite was, it was in Avengers. It was in a movie. (laughs) Right. I just, that just popped into my head. Like Fortnite has had a crazy 2019. Uh, They were in Avengers. They did a star Wars Q and a live uh, with, with JJ Abrams and Jeff Keighley. Uh, and they've done just some wild stuff there. And I honestly, when it comes to 2020, I'm excited for next gen consoles, but I'm just, I want to grab my popcorn and see what Fortnite does. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I I'm so, I'm so excited. And like, I'm not a Fortnite player. I'm not a battle Royale player anymore. And I just, you know, like, but just watching this from the outside looking in, it's just, it's so incredible. So yeah, I, I am with you there. Like, I can't wait to see what they do in 2020 and what they're setting up for going forward. Because, yeah, total Oasis vibes. Total Oasis vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had a couple of delays that were announced this past week. So Avengers has been moved from May into September. And, yeah, I'm still not stoked about this game. Okay. I want to say this about Avengers because I'm right there with you. There was something about the original, you know, announcement that just kind of was like you guys are leaning way too much on the Avengers and just keep saying Avengers and Marvel heroes and expecting us to be like, oh, wow, it's amazing. There was some awkwardness there, but the trailer they in, they released near the end of the summer with, uh, I think it's Kamala, uh, Miss Marvel, that actually felt 
more exciting because they were introducing a character that hadn't been explored in the MCU yet, but explored more of her story in the game. And I think I wouldn't write off the Avengers in, until you've seen it. If you haven't, if you've already seen that trailer, then yeah, then. I have seen that because that was okay. part of, um, Oh crap. It was way, it was a few months after E3. I think it might've been like, yeah, it was late 2019. Was it like a state of play or something? Like, I feel like it was some sort of like conference and I'm just totally blanking on, on when we actually saw it. I think it might've been post Gamescom and it was just dropped as like, here's our, I think it's Kamala Khan trailer. Uh, Gamescom. Okay. Yeah. Gamescom might be the thing I'm thinking of covering. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, that's the the timing that's popping into my head. But anyways, yeah, I have seen that trailer and it just looked like, well, for me, I'm just, I have this like just MCU fatigue and I know that like the, the game universe is not the, the movie universe, but at the same time, I'm just like, okay, you guys have put out like four movies every year for the past like 18 years. Like I could use a break from superheroes if we could just, you know, do something else for a little bit. That'd be okay. (laughs) I'm not saying that I'm going to, like, avoid every single superhero thing for the next, like, five years or something. But, like, there's a little bit of fatigue there for sure. And it's going to take me a lot. Because, like, especially now that we've hit the point, like, I might have felt differently, like, a year ago. Because now we've hit the point where, like... We've seen, you know, like Endgame, like Infinity War, like all that kind of stuff. Like everything is that whole big, long, you know, 15 or to 20 year arc. I can't remember exactly how long it is, but, you know, that big, huge arc has finally come to an end. And it's like I was ready for that story to finish and Mm. those characters to end up where they ended up. And like it was all a very satisfying package. And that's what she said. And then, you know, like now they're like, oh, be super stoked about Avengers because video games. And I'm just like, oh, but no, like I'm cool. Like I'm done. It's fine. (laughs) I I totally I totally get where you're coming from. I I think I'm I'm there as well. Like after Avengers, I'm like, okay, that's good. But I I'm it's like they did too good a job because they 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 gave me everything that I wanted. So now I don't want any more because that was enough. I'm good. But I mean, video games. It's like are if fun. I ate a whole cake and then someone was like, "Hey, do you want another cake?" I'd be like, "I just ate a whole cake. But, <laughs> I don't need another cake." But thanks. But <laughs> Not the you... cake's bad. I just don't need it right now. <laughs> what if the second cake was coming out a year and you know four or five months after you had the first cake? I mean, really? I mean, you've had cake, you know, for the last te- <laughs> well, okay. 10 years, right? Cake's that still is good. true. But like if we're putting like movie timelines and cake timelines, then I mean, that uh. would be like giving me another cake like five minutes later. I mean, the like, cake is a lie. Let's like... be honest. Right? <laughs> um, but I want to I, I do want to say about the this Avengers game is, is I think there's still some weirdness there. I, I want to see what this game eventually is. I'm curious to see like what kind of avengers platform they develop because i really liked spider-man but i am i i'm right there with you like there's some weirdness to the connected universe but i think that's where the video game uh will will have uh, an advantage over the movies is there's no well outside of spider-man and playstation that's still a bit of a weirdness there we're not sure how that's gonna work right the in the video game universe uh crystal dynamics has access to everything right they can build a true MCU, but it's a you know a, a, an MVU, the Marvel video game universe, right? They can yeah. do that, and we've seen that with with um, 
well, DC is a bad example because DC has access to all their properties uh, in film. That didn't help them. But um, <laughs> anyways, like where, where I'm getting at here is like they have an opportunity to create a true universe. Whereas when you look at the movies, they're still struggling. I don't know if you saw the Morbius trailer. It was kind of all over the place the last couple of days. It's the new Spider-Man villain film from Sony. Uh, and they're dropping hints and straight up connections to the MCU, which is very odd to me because it's like, okay, now we're going to have like a, like a, like an MCU adjacent that's connected, but only to certain films, but really to everything because those certain <laughs> films are in the universe. And then yeah. depending on like Sony and Disney's cooperation at that given moment, some movies are going to have stronger connections than others. Super confusing to anyone who doesn't know how to read like legal documents <laughs> but hopefully yeah hopefully the video game can do that and treat it better because there's less red tape but um we'll see hopefully the extra development time will help but uh the other game that got delayed literally this week as well was final fantasy 7 remake slight bump from march uh to april and i think it's like early march to early april so it's a just about a month and we've yeah, been waiting years you... for this so and I find this I find this really interesting because like I understand like Avengers bumping from May to September like you're bumping a whole quarter at that point but just like a, a, a delaying a few weeks from March to April like why what could you possibly hope to accomplish in one extra month that you couldn't get done in all the years like you hinted at that Final Fantasy 7 remake has they they've been talking about it working on it for years mm -hmm. and years and years it's like what do you think you're going to get done in March 2020 that you couldn't get done in all the years that came before? The the only thing I can think of, and again, I'm not a video game developer, but like maybe a, a uh, well, I was just about to say a game breaking bug, but that's what day one patches are for. Yeah, so yeah, they launch with what the hell all the time? Like what's going on? The only thing that I can maybe potentially the box think of, bad? I don't know. Is I was going to say something in marketing got really messed up. Like, Somebody mm. dropped the ball. Somebody spell uh, like spelt a name wrong on the box or something. Like you know, something slipped through the cracks. And I, even then, like it's even hard to sell like a box theory because no one prints anything anymore. <laughs> so why couldn't you just go into Photoshop, make the change, and then upload the new artwork into all of your other digital files? Like I am really struggling. Unless like there is some sort of like I didn't big article, marketing just... push or like. <laughs> didn't read the article <laughs> i read the okay i i read the headlines that have been all over the place but to so it needs more time to apply final polish uh which again like what i oh man i just i don't understand like uh four but, more four more weeks i don't know how that's gonna make a big a it, big it could difference. make a, a difference in the sense that this extra month gives them an extra month to work on the day one patch i mean we've seen this in other <laughs> no i'm serious we've seen this in other games like look at no man's sky which launched you know that game that came on disc uh I, actually i can't remember if it came on disc but there was a pre-release <laughs> version we're getting late in the show here you can tell my examples are falling apart but like there are games that come out where it's like the game you you install off the disc is different from the game uh, that gets patched right on day one so this could very well be them putting extra time into the final push they might already have like a like a gold master disc that's being printed as we speak 
but this gives them the extra month to push a day one patch through certain all that fun stuff I, I mean again like we'll never know but outside of that they're saying that it's the final final polish uh i mean maybe we have some developers that listen to this and maybe one month gives them does give them that additional month of development to do the final polish because again it all works out like if they're delaying now they they get to push everything a month and maybe maybe goldmaster disc for printing is now you know early march instead of being early february which meant they only had two weeks to apply that final polish as opposed to six weeks so that makes yeah, it, that, that's a I lot. mean yeah I and I I know I say a lot on the show and I, I still stand by this and I'm not like I'm not really raking them over the coals or anything like that like I think if you if your game is not ready the best decision is delay it until it is oh, yeah. don't launch some bro- broken piece of crap that is going to turn people off of your product like I I believe that that is the best decision and I think that there are too many companies that make the opposite decision and saying like, no, we've announced a date. We need to get it out on that date, whether it's ready or not. Mm-hmm. And we've had some some really big flops because of, you know, rushing things out. And there's even arguments to be made about things that have grown into some of my favorite titles like Sea of Thieves that would have done better had they just had another year in the development studio and they just weren't allowed that. And so, you know, like I I do very strongly believe that if your game needs some more work, delay it. What I'm struggling to wrap my head around in this specific case with this Final Fantasy VII remake is like you're in the final weeks of a like multi-year long process. Like what is that extra time actually going to buy you? If they... I probably would have been more on board with this if they had said like we're delaying to September. I would have been like, okay, cool. Yeah, like yeah. you need another six months. Go like fix what you need to fix. But I'm just having and again, I'm not obviously I'm not a game developer. I don't know what you can get done in an extra four weeks. Maybe it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, I just I, I'm wanna... looking at this and I'm kind of like, really? Like these people have been waiting so long. I mean, oh, man, mm-hmm. I could see if I was super stoked about this remake then I which I'm excited to play it or at least um watch Matt play it watch I, right yeah watch people you, play it yeah because I, I, I would know. love to watch people play it and and I think uh this is one of those ones where I will probably pick it up to play it but it's one of those things where I would like to watch someone who loved Final Fantasy 7 play it because that's exactly. that's like the Star Wars movies I went and saw all three of the new uh the new trilogy with uh matt hardcore star wars fan and and i think that i really enjoyed you know sharing that film experience with him and i think i could say the same thing about final fantasy 7 remake is watching um you know someone who really loved final fantasy 7 on the ps1 and then seeing this remake that would be that would be special and i know yeah we can do that through twitch and whatnot so um but yeah I yeah think, like uh, that's more what i'm excited about because yeah i don't have this big nostalgia I'm looking at some of the stuff that they showed out of the remake and the game looks really cool and I'm excited to check it out. But like if I was like Final Fantasy seven was my game and I'd been waiting years and we finally got a release date March 3rd, I'm going to get my game. And then I hear delayed till April 10th. I would be like flipping tables like why <laughs> well in my mind it gives, so i think it i'm just me... i'm channeling those people's rage in my question of what can you realistically get it done in four weeks but obviously they think they need it so i'm on board with letting them take it 
and, you know, like put it out when it's actually ready. So, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe this will be the start of more and more game studios because like I said, Final Fantasy VII is so near and dear to so many people and it's been so high profile and it's been in development for so long that maybe them delaying this extra month, assuming that it's still, it's a successful launch and, you know, like they get more or more sales than they were expecting, like all that kind of stuff. As long as it does very, very well, maybe this will actually make publishers who have been rushing the shit out of games, maybe it'll give them a little pause and be like, okay, if we rush stuff to get it out, like it might make, you know, Q2 2021 hit our targets. But, you know, what we could have done is hit and exceed our targets for, you know, Q3, 4, and then Q1 into the next year if we just put out a good game. Mm -hmm. Like, instead of getting that boost in one quarter, we could have, like, actual success and growth through multiple quarters by, you know, doing things properly. Well, this is pushing it out of the out of the fiscal year as well, which is a huge... Yes, exactly. You know, no, no. Exactly. So this is, this is good. I mean, if they really needed it, then, then they got it, and I'm glad. And I think when we talk about a short delay... Uh, it was never publicized, um, but uh, in the sense that there wasn't an announcement and then there was a, a public delay. But uh, uh, God of War, they had a huge documentary, which is fantastic. If you love the new God of War, definitely check out. I think it's called Raising Kratos. And they talk specifically about their internal date was always February. Golden Master January, uh, release in February. But uh, the I think his name is Corey Bor Barlog. Borlog. He, um, the 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 director of the game, he wanted an additional couple months, and he got it, and it was pushed into the next fiscal to I think an April mid April release as opposed to the February release they were looking for, um, and and that made a huge difference for the game because there was still some core com you know some core gameplay moments and and loops that were uh, struggling to to cross the finish line so there's some examples out there i think the raising kratos uh documentary is fantastic to sort of look at the development of a game uh from start to finish especially one that is that is a is a sort of quote-unquote reimagining remake it's a new story but like a beloved character and and having them grow you know grow into a to something more you know 2019 ish uh, or 2018 in this in this example but the other thing too is that uh, you know I think I think it's a Miyamoto quote or something. It's like uh, uh, a rushed game is bad, f you know, f uh, forever. And I'm butchering it, but then a delayed <laughs> game is 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 good, you know, or something. It's bad for a short time, but then good. Yeah, I know there, the quote there is that a you're quote, talking about, but yeah, that's not the quote. Uh, it, definitely look up the quote and then say, Ryan, you got it completely wrong. Here it is, and post it in the Discord. I think it's yeah. Uh, 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 a, a rush game is bad and a delayed game is okay is i found it for i found okay, thank you I yeah found good it. Job. yeah i got you ryan don't thank worry you. he said a delayed game is eventually good but a rushed game is forever bad there it is see look at that i'm glad i'm glad <laughs> that you looked it up after i tried twice miserably uh saving everyone uh the time to paste it into discord and be like ryan this is the quote you were looking for uh yeah, no, it's a great quote and and works across the board. We definitely don't want an anthem on our hands, right? That, yeah. oh boy, that's a bad one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, I, I think that's actually going to be a show this week, guys. I know we didn't talk about what we were playing, but <laughs> these, these news stories, 
Yeah, these news stories that we thought were just one-offs led to some what I think were really interesting conversations. So I hope you guys liked it. Go and weigh in on our Discord. You can find that at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. If you do enjoy the content that we produce, even when it does go off the rails a little bit for a week, then uh, yeah, head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in like Shatlux did he is our he or she they are our january patron so uh, thank you so much for supporting the show if you guys have any questions comments thoughts anything you want to share with us you can also email the show at info at gamers or you can follow us on twitter you can find me jocelyn at joss plays ryan is at r murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in thanks for staying at the gamers in remember tune in next week bye everybody bye everyone <laughs>